Chapter 23 You'd think Beastmen wouldn't need people like us to do their work, Jenner said, panting on his back. Yermont had stripped them of everything but their undergarments. Beads of sweat dripped down Jenner's chest, which had picked up some coloring from working out in the fields. People are always willing to let other people do their work for them, Christian replied. Weeks ago, he would have been too tired to mutter a response, but now he was just a little sore, pain that would pass in time. They had become workhorses, tilling fields and hauling stones for buildings. They had counted two dozen men just like them, kept in various camps throughout the village. The guards were quick to anger and even quicker with their clubs. Beatings were a daily occurrence. Jenner had made a snide remark the first day, and he could still feel the pain in his ribs. Food is ready. You come soon, a deep voice yelled from outside their dwelling. Jenner sighed again, but Christian rose and walked to the entrance of the hut, not wishing to miss a meal. They always seemed to prepare less to eat than there was mouths to feed, a lesson Christian learned many times in the first week. Come on, we should go, Christian called back over his shoulder. Jenner dragged himself up and followed. The sun hung high overhead. If not for the forest, Jenner imagined the heat would be stifling. He swatted at a pack of needle flies that drew close as he walked. A fellow captive said they had another name, but that he called them that for the sharp sting they gave when they bit a person. The warm, humid climate bred them by the dozens. Forsaken gnats, Jenner griped, recoiling as one stung the hand he used to smack at them. Oh, every time I begin to forget how miserable I am, something comes along and reminds me to stay miserable. Jenner's words were cut short as a rock cracked into his nose. His head whipped sideways and he cupped his hands over his nose and mouth. He could taste warm blood on his lips. Across from them, four of the village children giggled. Stupid slave needs to watch where he's going, one of the kids yelled, a wiry runt with gray hair and a wiry frame. One of the village warriors came over to the child and smiled, ruffling his hair and smacking him on the back, grunting approval. Come on, hurry. Christian said, coming over to walk along with Jenner, drawing his attention away from the kids. The villagers did not like Jenner and seemed to take every opportunity to torment him. Well, all save one. I think those children like you less than the flies do, came the woman's voice. She stood with her hands on her hips. Christian was always taken aback by her brazen appearance. The ways of these people were so foreign to him. He was used to women wearing fine dresses and gowns, or aprons and cloaks, many layers of clothing. Even in the warm summer months, the women in Culment would fan themselves or carry parasols as they walked around town. He had never seen a single woman here in a dress. They wore short, tight, fitting thongs like the men, and wrapped cloth around their chests. Christian could never recall seeing so much of a woman's body before. 
Their hair was tangled knots, adorned with twigs and feathers. It reminded him of wool that had not yet been made into clothing, coarse and rippled. The men treated the women here with little respect as far as Christian could tell. They hit them, beat them, treated them like property. He was beginning to think they were. He had seen Krugrith with no less than six that followed behind him most of the time, beckoning to his every command. But Riel was different. She had fine blonde hair that she wore down her shoulders. Her features were not bulky like the rest, but fluid and graceful. And while her physical attributes still made Christian blush, she did not have the exaggerated appearance that so many of the other women here shared. She had an old scar that ran from her forehead to her chin, over her left eye, yet the eye itself seemed to have been spared. It did not dampen her demeanor. Uh, if only I could swat them away as easily, Jenner said. Here, eat this, she said, tossing a loaf of bread to each of them. She smiled. Riel had befriended them a week ago, when they had stopped to help her carry some blankets when the basket she had put them in broke. She had been polite to them. The women of the tribe ignored them at best. She had seemed hesitant at first, but not put off like the others. Within minutes, Jenner had her talking about herself as they carried the blankets to Krugrith's hut. She was one of his harem, though neither Christian nor Jenner understood why. The other women of the harem acted aloof, laying around or hanging on his every word, feeding him and bringing him drinks. But Riel had proven to be everything different, talkative, thoughtful, inquisitive. She had sought out them the next day, and the day after that. Now they met for meals. The other prisoners gave her a wide berth, fearing to anger her would bring Kruger's wrath on their heads. Today, the three of them sat in the shade of a hut near the fire pit, where meals were prepared for the warriors of the tribe. The pelts of wolves from last season adorned the hand-carved benches they sat on. Christian tore a piece of bread off and bit into it with vigor, while Jenner ate his with more reservation. Riel remained silent, pulling an orange from a pouch at her waist and biting in letting the juices drip down her chin, spitting out seeds and rind as she ate. When they first met, Christian had tried to explain to her that the proper way to eat an orange, which made Riel laugh. She explained that as far as she was concerned, she was doing it the proper way. The villagers did not seem to give much mind to silverware or plates. They used wooden bowls for drinking, and used their hands for everything else. Christian had never been a fan of the array of utensils that had been presented to him in the castle, but he at least liked having a spoon and a knife. Everyone here drank their soup more than ate it. They enjoyed their meal in silence, until, as she always did, Riel asked them for stories of home. She seemed to revel in tales of Bothwell most, hearing about the many layers of the city and its many sights and sounds, the large buildings that people lived in and how so many people lived so near one another without killing themselves. Among the tribe, 
Riel had explained that death came often, not just from animals in the wild and sickness, but from within. The leader of the village was decided by a test of strength, one that Krugrith had killed for, and one day he would die for. She seemed to most enjoy Jenner's stories of the theater. It was a form of entertainment foreign to her. So Jenner would act out a performance, playing all of the parts himself, while Christian and Riel watched. Christian was familiar with a handful of shows, but he found Jenner's repertoire of plays to be vast. What impressed Christian the most was that Jenner always played all the parts, that he had memorized all the lines and all the roles, and that he remembered them so many years later. If what Jenner claimed was true, that some of the roles he had not performed since he was a child. Today, Jenner entertained them with the story of a prince and princess who were twins, and would often pretend to be one another. It had been his first major part, and he had almost been thrown out of grammar school because he spent so much time learning the role. As Jenner carried on, afternoon passed to evening. Tired as he was, Christian kept from yawning, and when Jenner finished, both he and Riel clapped in appreciation. I've never heard tales half so fanciful as yours, Riel said. Well, you might if a barter or a troubadour ever ventured out of the, out this far, but I'm afraid you're your monst, or someone might eat them, Jenner grinned, but the serious undertones could be heard in his voice, and Riel blushed. We are not all monsters, Riel said. Only the ones that matter, Jenner replied. Is life here so bad? You are given food, shelter, and protection from the wild. Riel, we're treated like animals, Jenner replied back. I know this is all you've known all your life, but this isn't living for Christian and I. It's surviving, at best. But you don't even know where you are. Where would you go? You would starve out in the woods. Actually, I have thought about that, Christian said. I studied a number of star charts when I was staying at Jenner's house. The stars here are different, except for that one, Christian said, pointing up, motioning to a cluster of stars near the western sky. That is the dragon Kilelephon. He is only visible back home in the eastern sky during the harvest season. But I have been watching since I first noticed it, and it is always visible here. I think if we were head in the direction of Caliphon, we would eventually reach home. But what if you are wrong? Riel asked. What choice do we have? People are missing us. We have things we have to attend to, Christian said, looking up at the night sky. Every day we spend here is another day our friends could be suffering or in danger. And it's been many days, Jenner added. I agree with Christian. Your wolves are telling. Ramza doesn't have wolves, but they run wild in Arcturus. Their conversation was interrupted when one of the guards came by and yelled at them, telling them to get back to their huts and to go to bed, lest they be too tired to work in the morning. A snarl from Riel sent the guard on his way, but they knew he would only be back and inviting more attention on themselves. We can finish another time, Jenner said. 
I will meet you on the morrow, Riel replied. Can we trust her? Christian said. He spoke to Jenner, who lay on the bunk above him. They had been moved to a smaller, more cramped hut a few weeks ago. Riel said that Krugrith had been displeased by her dalliances with the slaves. Jenner's stories inspired thoughts and dreams in Riel, and Krugrith did not like those inspirations. They had not seen or heard from her after that. They worked morning till night now, instead of just during the day. The work was no harder, but they worked almost three times as long. Christian had begun to wonder if they were being worked to death. That was when they had been moved. Two of the men had died, and Jenner and Christian had been given their bunks. It was not a choice. Then, last night, they had heard from Riel. A whisper. Christian had thought he had been imagining it. There was a knothole in the wall near the head of the bunk. He had aroused Jenner, and together they listened to what she had to say. It did not lift their spirits. Christian had been right. Workers who lived in this hut died. Sometimes accidents, sometimes beatings, but they all died, and sooner rather than later. Riel said Krugrith put people here he thought dangerous, that they had maybe two, three weeks, and that she wanted them to live. She explained that she could help them escape. It would take some preparation and planning, but she could set things in motion. Faced with the alternative, they agreed. That had been last night. Well, she is different from the rest, Jenner pointed out. Well, we agree there, Christian added. And it seems rather a waste of time if Krugrith was orchestrating this grand plot to have us killed in an escape. He'd just kill us. Maybe he wants to remind people what happens when they try to escape, Christian suggested. Honestly, Chris, do we have another choice? You heard what Riel said. No one's lived in this hut longer than a month. Even the other prisoners know it's a death sentence. No, you are right. I guess I just wanted to talk about it. I just wanted to feel like we were planning something. Something like we used to, I know. You have to trust her. I don't think we could survive the forest by ourselves. Even if we knew the direction, we don't know the lands. Jenner added. Christian nodded. The two talked about it a little more, but when they were done, they had made their choice. Riel returned the next night, and together the three of them planned their escape. Are you ready? Jenner could hear Riel's voice from above. Their week worth of planning would come to fruition tonight. Jenner tapped on the ceiling, then nodded at Christian, who had been feigning sleep for the last few hours. They gathered the items they had acquired during their stay at the camp and crept their way towards the door. A few captives watched them, but no one said anything. Most were too scared or just did not care. After the last example Yermont had made of tattlers, no one would speak up. Riel lifted the latch from the other side, the door swinging out a few inches. Jenner and Christian strode forward slipping out of the door, then returning the bar to its position. Riel kept watch, her ears twitching, the hairs on her arms and neck standing on edge. Once the door was shut, 
she shook Christian's hand and began leading the way, Jenner sneaking behind them. They darted from tent to tent, keeping to the shadows. The village was quiet, many passed out or still drunk from a party hours earlier. Riel slowed their progress as they made their way towards the border. She motioned for the two of them to wait, while she stepped out towards one of the men patrolling the forest's edge. She spoke with him a few minutes, before he seemed to turn, then walk off in the direction of the fire pit. Riel then turned to where Jenner and Christian hid in the shadows, and motioned for them to follow her. They kept low as they ran out into the woods. That was not so bad, Christian said. That was not the hard part, Riel said, casting one last look out at the village, before disappearing into the night. We need to move quickly. We must put as much ground between us and them before they notice you're missing. As Riel led on, she led them through various trails, backtracking, skipping some parts, walking downstream before taking to ground again, using a variety of tricks she had learned. Do you think this will work? Jenner asked, as they trudged through the mud from the riverbed. Well, it'll help. The real test will be in a few days' time, Riel said. What happens then? Christian asked. Uh, nothing for you to worry about yet, she replied. Well, I'm not really a fan of surprises either, Jenner quipped. Less talking. Save your breath. You'll need it to make better time, Riel said. They continued down the stream for a few hours until it ended at a short series of cliffs, feeding down into a larger river at the base. Christian walked as far as he dared, peering out into the darkness. Isn't there a safer way to go? Christian asked. Well, there are several. All ways they will probably check first. They won't check this one first, Riel said, kneeling down at the ledge. How deep is the water at the bottom? Can we jump? Jenner asked. At parts it's deep, but not many. And you can't see them. I could jump, but then the two of you would be on your own. I've traveled these cliffs many times. I can lead you down. How do you know the cliffs so well if you can go easier ways? Christian asked as he walked over to where she was crouching down. Because I've been planning this night for many years, Riel said as she began lowering herself over the edge, using her sharp nails to grip the stone as she descended a few steps. Why did you never escape on your own then? Jenner asked, following her down. It seems like it would only seems like we would only slow you down. Because I can't make it on my own, Riel said. Jenner waited, but nothing more was forthcoming. So we let it go. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 a piece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos or on my website, located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. 
This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.